Vegas Nation is sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up. You're listening to Vegas Nation. Time to get it started with First and Ten with Vinny Bonsignor and Sam Gordon. What is good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Vegas Nation, First and Ten, uh, your weekly go-to for Raider news uh, and analysis. Uh, and before I get to my great co-host, or our great co-host, not my great co-host, I don't uh, I don't roll like that, our great co-host um, here at First and Ten, just want to let you know that Vegas Nation, all Vegas Nation podcasts, podcasts are sponsored by Station Casinos, STN Sports, and presented by the Las Vegas Review Journal, Blue Wire, and Liquid Death. Speaking of Liquid Death, uh, which is uh, just a great water, nice and crisp and cold. I love how it's in the, the can. I like the whole artwork, uh, all of that, that that's going on. Um, Sam, um, uh, you know, Liquid Death kind of describes what the Raiders did um, <laughs> in the fourth quarter on uh, on Sunday um, uh, uh, against the uh, Houston Texans. I was trying to figure out who they played. All these games run into each other, man. I'm already on to the to the New Orleans Saints. Um, but, uh, but no, the Texans on a 21 uh blitz uh, on Sunday, uh, probably the best quarter, probably uh, the best quarter uh, for the Raiders this year. You know, one of the more impressive things that, to, to me about the way they finished the game was you consider how they started, right? Coming out of the bye week, a little shaky, some penalties, uh, defensively, some holes, allowing the Texans to get some chunk plays. But I think in the second half, um, you really saw a team that executed offensively, right, behind a, a game plan that was clearly designed to get Josh Jacobs the ball um, behind an offensive line that's really starting to gel. Um, defensively, when they absolutely had to get a stop uh, on a third and short situation, they did. And then they they didn't fall for any trickeration on fourth down. Uh, and, and the Texans induced himself and do a huge penalty, so they get the ball back, respond with a touchdown drive. And then the pick six. Um, this is a team that's been devoid of takeaways, hasn't been able to create big positive plays on the defensive side of the ball. And you get a play like that uh, in the fourth quarter to ignite the crowd, to ignite the defense, to ignite the sideline. I think it was huge. Um, really impressive. Really impressed with the way they finished the game. And uh, now, again, with we, we knew this would be a kind of a softer spot of the schedule where there would be some opportunities. And you have to – you know, Raiders fans have to feel really good about the way they finished the game on Sunday because now it gives you something to build off of going into New Orleans uh, this upcoming Sunday. So – Super impressed. Um, the Raiders had to absolutely have the victory. They needed to win the game, and they they did so, and I thought earned a little style points in the fourth quarter as well. Yeah, and I think that uh, there's some things that are really trending up uh, for the Raiders right now. Um, you know, they're up to uh, the third most uh, points by average in the NFL per game, uh, 27 points per game. Uh, you'll take that uh, every day of the week, and I think there's some room for growth. Um, the more they – Evolve in, in Josh McDaniels' system. Darren Waller uh, eventually coming back. Uh, Hunter Renfro getting more acclimated. The offensive line getting better. Um, they are now uh, 15th in red, red zone touchdown percentage. A couple of weeks ago, they were like 30th uh, in that regard, um, or definitely low 20s. So, um, you know, that, that helps when you go four for four in the last two games in the red zone. If you go back to the Kansas City game, um, you know, they were one for one uh, in, in, in that game, three for three. Um, you know, uh, on Sunday uh, against the Texans, so uh, there's some there's some numbers that are definitely trending upward for for the Raiders moving forward, and it coincides now uh, with going into uh, really what what many consider the softer part uh, of the Raiders schedule. Although uh, I would caution uh, that when you look around the NFL, um, when you see the Panthers beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
is there really a soft spot on anybody's schedule these days, Sam? Uh, no, and, and and just like the Saints, Vinny are what are they two and five now? Two and four, two and five. I mean, they they, they got out to a slow start as well, but just kind of like the Raiders, there's some coin flip games that could have gone either way in their regard. So they're they're looking at it at, at, at they're they're coming off of they have a couple extra days to prepare right after playing on Thursday night last week. Um, they're coming off of a loss to Arizona, and they're looking at it like, okay, there's a two and four Raider team coming into town that they have an opportunity to to, to beat as well. So a lot of parity, and, and yes, it may look soft uh, kind of on the outset, uh, but as the Texans even showed, I thought in the first half or, or the way that they played, even the first three quarters, um, the way that they were able to compete. Like if you don't if you don't bring your best, if, if the Raiders are making mistakes and having silly penalties like they had on special teams and those kind of issues, then, yeah, anybody can beat you on on any given Sunday, especially this season. It really feels like, you know, the Chiefs and, and the Bills have kind of separated themselves as a class of the AFC. But beyond that, a, a lot of parity and, and anything can really happen. So uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of what they what they do to carry that momentum over. But uh, again, the, the, their, their, their execution in the fourth quarter on Sunday uh, was as good, I, I think, um, on, on both sides of the ball as it's been at any point this season. So the key is, look, it's just one victory and and the Raiders aren't, I, I didn't sense that they were getting too ahead of themselves at all uh, after being in the locker room on Sunday and hearing what Josh McDaniels and Josh Jacobs had to say and Derek Carr at the podium. They understand they have to stack several victories because of the way that they started the season. But it starts with one and the one that they had on Sunday um, against Houston, like you said, you're seeing an identity um, start to develop. And really that's the offensive, it's, 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 believe it or not, developing around Josh Jacobs in an offensive line um, that's really physical in the running game and giving him great opportunities. So it feels like you said that there's a formula that's that's starting to develop. Can that be sustainable over this next stretch of games is what we're going to find out. Yeah, um, and, you know, I want to stick with that offensive line a little bit. Um, you know, uh, there's, there's some people on Twitter um, – you know, and it's not always, uh, you know, uh, a bad place, uh, Twitter, but, you know, I get DM'd from time to time and, the, the, you know, there's, there's one, um, you know, uh, follower in particular, uh, and it's all good natured and good discussion and everything like that. But, you know, he's been clamoring for the writers to come up with a, uh, a consistent starting five offensive line, you know, since basically, uh, they broke training camp, you know, and, and got into the regular season. I kept telling him, look, you know, um, they, they aren't there yet. <laughs> you know, they don't know who that starting five is yet. And part of it is, you know, Thayer Munford. Well, if we go all the way back, um, you know, because I want to talk about the unorthodox uh, approach that they, you know, had with his offensive line this year, um, which I think has caused some frustration with fans. But I give them credit for being honest about it and not saying, oh, we should have an answer by now because that's when teams decide it at the end of training camp. So let's just roll with this starting five because, you know what, uh, that's how teams have done it in the past. I don't agree with that at all. If you're not feeling it, um, give yourself enough time to start feeling it. And if you go all the way back, uh, Sam, you know, to right before training camp, I mean, I'm talking about days before training camp, Denzel Good, who I think everybody had penciled in probably at right guard, retires. And that was a surprise, you know, to the Raiders. So there went part of the plan okay uh into the into training camp you know they were gonna always give alex leatherwood a fair chance to to show that he could be uh, a force on this team or a viable piece on this team uh no josh mcdaniels and dave ziegler did not draft um uh you know alex leatherwood in the first round uh, last year the 17th pick overall still crazy to say those words uh, given you know what ultimately happened 
it wasn't their pick, but they weren't going to just give up on a first round pick. They had to give him an opportunity in training camp um, to win a job. He didn't. Brandon Parker gets hurt. He was another uh, candidate at right tackle. Uh, lost for the season after after one preseason game. So there was a lot of you know moving parts throughout training camp um, and really even after training camp. And then all of a sudden, Andre James, the center, goes down for a couple of games after the season opener. That meant Dylan Parham, who they were trying to figure out, okay, what guard position is best for him. Now he's got to go cover Andre James uh, at center. That meant other guys had to, uh, you know, uh, uh, fill in at guard. A lot of different things were happening. Um, And I give the staff credit for saying, you know what? This is the best approach for this team right now. It might not be ideal. It might not be perfect. It might not be what the fans want to hear or, or read about, but this is the way we're going to approach it. And it's gotten them to this point, uh, Sam. You just said this offensive line is really developing a physical um, presence and um, you know, like a, a, an identity. And I don't necessarily think you get to this point if you had just thrown up your hands uh, at the end of training camp and say, well, this is the starting five we're going to roll with. And that's going to be that. Yeah, you probably don't. And they were tinkering with things like searching for solutions. And, and it, again, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't, it was very experimental. It was very unorthodox. Uh, but lo and behold, right now you have three straight games, Vinny, that there's, there's a body of work that has suggested. It's not just a random thing. This isn't think about where we are now, October 25th, recording this on a Monday afternoon. Um, or Tuesday afternoon now at this point after after the, the Raiders' victory over the Texans. Think about where we were in week one with this offensive line, where the Raiders were at, how, how, how it looked, the, the pressure on Derek Carr, how they, they couldn't even afford to get the running game going because they trailed so early in the game. It, it, was, it was definitely a work in progress. And, of course, they wish they had a, a five-man unit that they knew, that they trusted in, that was it, one of the best in the NFL going into the season. It didn't work that way. There, I think there was going to be an understanding that this was going to take some time um, to figure out. And, and, and the, the alternative is they, they don't get it figured out at all. Like that, there, there is a scenario in which they don't have five offensive linemen, uh, as we saw last year, where there were struggles throughout the course of the season, even though that unit did improve towards the end of the year. So, uh, the offensive line, uh, I think deserves a lot of credit, uh, in the way that they've been able to gel, um, these last few games. And, and, and yes, the running game is where it pops with Josh Jacobs having three straight 140 yard games. I think one of what, six or seven running backs to rush for a hundred yards in three straight games with a touchdown in all three dating back to the merger. That's not something that you can just do. That doesn't happen every day. So yes, the running game and the run blocking is going to get a lot of the headlines, but I thought they've been just as good in, in pass pro um, as well, Vinny, especially on Sunday. I think Derek Carr got what sacked once early in the game. Pressure is going to happen from time to time, but for the most part, uh, it, it was a clean game, and I think part of that probably stems from, hey, they can you're running the ball effectively. It's going to set up some cleaner pockets with some play action. It's going to set up some different looks and different things that you can call offensively to get the pass game going and to get those guys comfortable in pass pro situations. So uh, it's, it's been a total, I mean, yeah, kind of a total 180 from, from where they were at in week one. Um, and, and now clearly, right, that's, that's this, the, the identity of the team has shifted a little bit. It, it's, it's, it's been a running group. Uh, the last few weeks, but but that that again, it's a credit to the offensive line. You want teams want to be able to run the football. I'm talking, to, you know, in the, in the locker room to, to Andre James last week in practice, and Dylan Parham uh, after the game on, on Sunday. They, they, there's a sense of pride when you can run the football because it, it means you're being physical. It means you're physically asserting yourself, and, and a lot of times it means you're wearing down the defense. Raiders have done that the last three games, and they've especially did it uh, on Sunday. And, and and now you have an opportunity to kind of build on that and, and see 
how far this group can really go up front and, and what you're really capable of offensively now that you have a unit that you're looking like you can trust. And now it is that time of the show where we are joined by Chuck Esposito, Director of Race and Sports for Station Casinos. Of course, Chuck joins us every week here on First and Ten to talk about the Raiders, the Vegas betting landscape, and all things sports. Chuck, um, welcome back to the show. First and foremost, um, we were talking about, you know, off air a little bit, just about some of the the the, the weird scores, right? Carolina beating Tampa Bay outright, New England on Monday night football, getting annihilated um, by the Bears, just really unpredictable season so far. What what do you make of it from your side of the counter? I think you can throw in there too, Sam. You know, Green Bay losing yeah. three straight games to the you know the Jets, the Giants, and and uh, and Washington. I mean, it's it's upside down. I think you know a lot of these quarterbacks maybe they're starting to show their age. If it's if it's Brady, if it's Rodgers, if it's Matt Ryan, um, big time wide receivers. I think that have moved around have hurt some of these teams. You look at. Green Bay losing um, Adams. You look at uh, Tennessee losing A.J. Brown. Um, of course, you look at Godwin, who's been hurt for Tampa. Um, there's just a lot kind of in this league right now that just screams parity. There's so many divisions where uh, the team that's in first place is, you know, maybe just a game over 500, um, opposed to what we've seen, you know, some of the times in the past where you've seen, you know, dominant teams. And then you've got the NFC South right now where there's not a team above 500 and the NFC West, which you could have given me any amount to say, Hey, who do you think will be in first place in the NFC West after seven weeks, Rams, Niners, Cardinals, Seahawks. I wouldn't have bet anything that it's, that it's the Seahawks yet. They're in first place. So um, I know it's early and a lot can change, especially with a 17 week schedule, um, but really a lot of parity right now. And a lot of teams that we thought would be really good, the teams that we touched on, and a lot of teams that we thought really would be really bad, Jets, Giants, Seahawks, have kind of turned it upside down uh, through the first seven weeks. Yeah, Chuck, I'm wondering what kind of effect just kind of the the the, the parity and just kind of the, the nature of the season, what kind of effect has that had on the, on the, on the futures market thus far? Uh, you know, you've seen a lot of teams being moved up and down the board from week to week, Sam. Um, and I think we can't get too carried away um, as we kind of chatted about last week when yep. the Raiders were one and four going into this game. Um, you know, you're not going to hit the panic button quite yet and put them at a hundred to one because in the past, the team that's one and four, they're not making the playoffs, but this year at two and four and, and the schedule that they have over the next five weeks, I still think that they make a run at it, at least from a wild card perspective. The Chargers, although four and three, have a ton of injuries. The Broncos, I mean, there's really not to talk about right now. One of the biggest disappointments in all of football, the Chiefs and the and the Bills are really good. To me, right now, head and shoulders above everybody in the AFC. Throw the Eagles in there, three best teams in football as we speak. Um, but I still think the Raiders, even though they're two and four and a favorable schedule, um, has a chance to make a run at a wild card spot. Yeah, well, let, let's get right to it, Chuck. The Raiders um, giving points on the road in the Superdome, giving two and a half total, 49 and a half as they go down to New Orleans and play a Saints team that that just, I mean, two pick sixes the other night, uh, just kind of don't know what to expect from them week to week. Uh, feels like the Raiders have been the better team uh, up to this point, and the line certainly reflects that as well. Yeah, I mean, the Raiders let a couple of games get away that, you know, last year they would have won those games. They easily could be sitting right now at 500 at the worst and maybe a game above. Um, I think you look at the Saints, uh, last place, 2-5 and five in the South, minus, uh, I think, 25-point differential, only 1-3 at home. Um, don't know if it's going to be Dalton or Winston. I think it's more the injuries at wideout, too, and I think 
you see that across the board. Uh, Michael Thomas, who had played well early in the season, has been out. Jarvis Landry's been out. The question marks at quarterback. Olave did return last week, but he had been out. I think this offense is not the offense that we thought it would be, and the defense isn't nearly as good as we thought it would be. So although it's a tough place to play or has been in the past, Saints only have one win at home. Raiders, you know, again, a really favorable schedule. I know we talked about it last week, but, you know, they play the Jags after that. A Colt team that just made a quarterback change to Sam Ellinger. Uh, then they play the Broncos, who we know aren't nearly as good as we, we thought they would be at this point. And then that Seahawks game right after Thanksgiving looks like a much bigger game right now, the way the Seahawks are playing. But I think that's why you're seeing the Raiders, you know, a road favorite. And my guess is we're still early in the week. You're, we're going to be Saint fans on our side of the counter, um, especially if some of these uh, Saint wide receivers are still out. Yeah, I um, want to talk about another road favorite this week, Chuck, the New England Patriots, right, coming off of their beatdown. I'm um, going to the Bears have a short week to prepare from a Jets, for a Jets team, New England giving one and a half in New York, in the Meadowlands, total 40 and a half. Uh, Chuck, Brees Hall was one of the best offensive rookies in the league last year. He's gone from that offense. This line, to me, seems like it reflects that a little bit, that they don't have a lot offensively um, without him. Can you walk me through this matchup, a, a crucial AFC East matchup, as the reeling Patriots try and turn around in New York? You know, it does a little bit, Sam, but I really give the Jets credit knowing that that Brees Hall was going to be out and Michael Carter seemed to be a good kind of situational back, um, mm-hmm. a good guy to plug in to help a little bit. But they go out and I thought they made a great trade. I mean, we've talked about a number of teams that might be active for wide receivers, but going out and getting James Robinson is kind of a rental. He's a really talented back. He's kind of that same body type as Brees Hall. He's a guy that can take it to the house from anywhere on the field. So I think you look at this Jet team with Zach Wilson um, at quarterback and the young wideouts. If it's Wilson, if it's Davis, Moore should be back this week. They've had some injuries on the offensive line, I think, that really hurt. But this line was two prior to the Patriots um, playing that game against the Bears. It has actually dropped a half a point to one and a half. So I think the Jets are, are, there's definitely value on the Jets. And, and again, I think you look at this Jet team, a big surprise right now, knowing there's so much parity in the entire league. They sit at five and two. They're four and oh on the road. They've already played four road games. That to me shows that they are a good team. They're a young team that can win away from home. I love the trade that they went out and got James Robinson. I really think it sends a message that we're a young team who believes in ourselves. The organization believes in us. Hey, we lose Brees Hall, but we're going to go out and replace him with a guy that we think can be just as valuable. Um, So I'm not worried about the Jets because they made that trade. I think it really helped them a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Robinson, of course, uh, two, oh, I think two years, just a couple years removed from a thousand yard season in Jacksonville. Then the Jacksonville team, that was the worst in the league. Chuck, I would have never believed that this was, you know, potentially the most intriguing matchup uh, this week. If you'd have told me this before the season, but Seahawks, the four and three Seattle Seahawks leading the NFC West, playing host to the New York football giants, uh, four and three against six and one Seahawks giving the obligatory three as the home team. Uh, a total 45 there. This is, I mean, two overachieving teams, right, that have continued um, to, to keep the ball rolling. Great coaching on both sides. And to me, um, yeah, one of the most intriguing matchups of the week, no doubt about it. No question the Seahawks are a huge surprise, Sam. Um, you know, four and three in first place in the West. I never would have thought it. Um, they are at minus three point differential. Uh, they lose DK Metcalf, which we talked uh, some about some of the other teams that lose a big time wideout and what's the effect going to be. The Giants have been great. I mean, you look at the way that Daniel Jones has played protecting the ball. 
Saquon Barkley looks like he did before the injury. They've got injuries at wide receiver. No Bellinger in this particular spot. Yet Seattle's a, you know, a field goal favorite here. I think, you know, we've seen a lot of love that the betters have given the Giants last week against Jacksonville, you know, getting points and getting a plus number on the money line. I think that'll be the same thing here. To me, it's the injuries that the Giants have in a week before they head into their bye. And it's the Seahawks now kind of in that role as, as a favorite uh, and without DK Metcalf. But to me, quickly, the biggest game on the board or the most exciting one to me is Packers-Bills. I can't remember Aaron Rodgers since he came into the league being, you know, over a two-score underdog. They've lost three games in a row. Could possibly lose their fourth game in a row in arguably maybe the toughest place to play in football in Orchard Park. You know Bills Mafia will be out in force in this one. I'm looking forward to the Sunday night game between Packers and Bills. Who would have thought that the Bills would be, or the Packers would be getting over 10 points on Sunday night football. Yeah, Chuck, perhaps the reigning MVP and the changing of the guard, a proverbial changing of the guard, uh, kind of passing the torch to, on Sunday night to, to who looks to be the front runner for MVP, uh, Josh Allen. Chuck, we appreciate your analysis and expertise before we let you get out of here. Any other news notes uh, from week seven going into week eight that you want to share with us? I think, Sam, that there's going to be a number of teams that are going to be active at the trade deadline. There's some big-time wide receivers. If it's Elijah Moore, Chase Claypool, Brandon Cooks, maybe DJ Moore. And I think the Packers, the team we just talked about, are going to be really active to get Aaron Rodgers some help. So I don't know if it happens before the weekend or right after the weekend, but I do think the Packers are active and go out and make a play for a big-time wideout to help Aaron Rodgers. Trade deadline right around the corner. A lot of activity could be on the way. Chuck, we appreciate everything as always and looking forward to talking to you next week and recapping what promises to be another interesting week of NFL games. All right. Thanks, Sam. Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the SCN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. So sign up today for STN Sports and earn up to $500 on your first deposit. You may start noticing there are strange tall boys of beer in the bottled water section of your local stores. Well, it's not beer. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps, and it's called Liquid Death. And it's available in still, sparkling, and three other flavors. Why is this water called Liquid Death? Well, basically, it'll brutally murder your thirst. And their infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Aluminum is infinitely recyclable and can actually be profitable for recycling facilities. One day I was at work in the cafeteria and saw the Las Vegas Review Journal was carrying liquid death in the vending machine. So I sat drinking one at work while eating my tacos just to fake my coworkers out and make them think I was having an icy cold tall boy with lunch. Go get liquid death at your local Smith's, Walmart, Sprouts, or find a liquid death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash Vegas Nation. That's liquiddeath.com slash Vegas Nation. When you talk about uh, four for four in their last two games in the red zone, guess what? Every one of those was a run play, um, you know, to, uh, to, to, to Josh Jacobs. Now, uh, conversely, um, you know, uh, Derek Carr talking to us after the game on Sunday said, yeah, we are. We're running the ball well in the red zone. But guess what? Number 17 over there, uh, Devontae Adams and the attention that he draws from opposing defenses helps that too. So it is – it's not just the offensive line. It's not just um, – you know, with Josh Jacobs uh, running as great as he has and he is, um, 
you know, when you when you go out and get a wide receiver uh, like Devontae Adams and force teams to account for him all over the field, including in the red zone, because you're not going to let him beat you in the red zone. You're not going to just defend him one on one in the red zone or else, you know, that's what get what gets coaches fired sometimes. So um, you're going to say, well, we're going to take this guy out of the equation. Show us that you can run against us. Well, it's easier to do that when you don't, when you have one less or two less bodies to have to uh, account for in the block game. So it kind of does go hand in hand. And I guess, you know, my overall point is this is sort of what the Raiders envisioned, how it was all going to, you know, kind of, kind of uh, marry together between the run game and the pass game, Devontae Adams helping, Josh Jacobs, Josh Jacobs helping Devontae Adams, Devontae and Josh helping, you know, Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller when he gets back. There's a lot of weapons. We, we talked about that throughout the offseason yeah. that other teams are going to have to account for. And you're slowly but surely seeing that all kind of come together. Yeah, definitely. And going back to Devontae Adams, man, he like Josh Jacobs has been able to explode on the ground and Devontae Adams is still producing in the passing game, right? Last three games, nine catches for 101, three for 124 on the two long touchdowns. And then even on Sunday, eight catches for 95 yards and a couple situationally huge receptions uh, with plays that kept you know kept the sticks moving and extended drive so uh, they, they, they they are working very much uh, the, the pass and the run in concert with one another and it, and even though the numbers not may not be super explosive in the pass game all the time like that's fine like as long as this team is moving the ball with, with some rhythm with some pace with some effectiveness I think that's what you want and, and now they've it's, it's a dual it is a dual threat offense now you would expect at a certain point, right? That whether that be this Sunday, whether that be who knows, I'm not a defensive coordinator. We're not in those meetings, but you, you would expect at some point that teams are going to have to account for, Hey, this is a running back and this is a rushing offense. That's, you know, going for 140 every week and start, uh, you know, allocating some extra attention, uh, to, to, to shutting down the run. Well, then you that's going to create different matchups for Devontae Adams. Right. And, and even to, uh, you know, Mac Hollins, Darren, Darren Waller, when he gets healthy Hunter Renfro. So, to your point, uh, every team strives for balance, and it's so rare that you have a team that, that can be efficient through the air and the ground. They've been efficient through the ground, and, and there has been an element of efficiency through the air as well, even if the numbers aren't as explosive as, as maybe we figured they would have been before the season. So it's working. I mean, like, like you said, the numbers are speaking for themselves in terms of what they're doing statistically in terms of the scoring. Um, this is for, for all the kind of the issues that they've had, I think, situationally uh, to start the season. They were great in those areas on Sunday. Great situational football and, and the offense being able to move the ball has been a consistent piece this season, even with those struggles. Yeah. Just to put it in perspective, um, you know, Josh Jacobs is on pace for about 1300 yards uh, and a whole bunch of touchdowns uh, as we speak. Uh, and Devonte Adams is on pace for close to 1500 yards and about 14, 15 touchdowns as we speak. That will get it done uh, offensively. And, you know, then you throw in quote unquote supporting players like Hunter Renfro and uh, and Darren Waller, like we were talking about when he gets back healthy and Matt Collins. Um, you know, this has a chance to be the prolific offense. Uh, I think everybody sort of envisioned coming into the season now um you know uh, uh it has it happened overnight no um there was there were some issues to work through with the offensive line they were learning a new offense as well uh, a whole completely new com- uh, coaching staff some new key players um so it was going to take uh, a little bit of time it wasn't going to happen overnight as much as fans would have loved for it to have been the case that wasn't really realistic uh but here's the thing you look at the AFC, and yes, the Raiders are two and four, and that's ugly uh, by by any measure. Um, but there's there's t- 
time and opportunity because the AFC is so kind of clustered outside of, you know, two really good teams in Kansas City uh, and, and Buffalo. Um, there, there's definitely a path available if the Raiders take care of business. And that, now that's on them uh, to take care of business uh, as they navigate their way uh, through the remaining games. And, and, you know, let's be honest, too. The Raiders, we're, we're talking about two really good teams in the AFC. Well, you know, the Raiders went to Kansas City and, and pushed the Chiefs, who are one of those two teams, pretty much as far as it could go and and save for maybe two wide receivers running into each other um, on the last offensive play of the game for the Raiders. Maybe they win that game. So how far are they away from being, you know, among that elite teams? I think we could safely say that those are the two best teams. As far as that third team, uh, I think that's wide open right now. And I... I don't see any reason why when you look at what the Raiders roster looks like, when you look at what they're capable of doing and they've shown flashes of that, um, by the time it's all said and done, there's a chance that they may be that team. Who knows? Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and we'll see it. They, they, on Sunday, they, they put a team away. They, they, they executed uh, on offense and defense when they absolutely had to, and were able to play with a lead and, and put a team away. I think for the Raiders, that's a positive step to being the team that you want to be. Um, now, like you, like we've discussed, now it's about stringing those opportunities together. Starting again with New Orleans, uh, a team. What, what are they? Two and five right now. Like, like, like we talked about earlier, Vinny. A team that's had issues with ball security, with taking care of the ball. Uh, there are going to be. I think there are going to be opportunities on Sunday. To, to, whether it's Andy Dalton, whether I don't know what their quarterback situation was like after the two pick sixes that Andy Dalton threw the other day, but w- there was a little bit more of a pass rush. I thought uh, in the second half against Houston, you able to you're able to get after Andy Dalton a little bit. Is going to create some opportunities on the defensive side of the ball. It's going to maybe set the offense up with a short field, and, and maybe it's going to create an opportunity where the Raiders can again play with a lead. That's one thing. Uh, I think they've been able to do pretty successfully uh, at times, right? Not not in the Arizona game, of course, but the last few, last couple of weeks, this, this, this last game in particular, they were able to put a team away. We saw them put the Broncos away. So when, when they when they have, I think, what we feel is a superior roster and an opportunity to take a lead and put a team away, they've been able to do that. So will they be able to go out there uh, in New Orleans and attain that? We'll, we'll have to see. But I, I do know – that with the way the New Orleans plays offense and, and with what we've seen from the quarterback position, there are going to be opportunities um, to, to force some turnovers. There will be opportunities for the Raiders to go assert their will and, and, and get that, that running game going behind the offensive line. And then if the Saints adjust to that, there are going to be opportunities for Devontae Adams over the top. So we'll have to see how that shakes out. It's a tough place to play. We know it's never easy in, in New Orleans, uh, but there, is, there are going to be chances to string together wins and, and get right back in that mix in the thick of the AFC playoff picture pretty soon here. And by the way, the great Sam Gordon will be with me in New Orleans uh, for that game. Sam, I got to tell you, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things to say about New Orleans, um, most of which are great. Uh, you're gonna love it. <laughs> yeah. Great, great, great city. I don't know if you've been there, but um, uh, if you haven't, you're in for a treat. However, you have to dress warm in the um, – it's now the uh, Caesars uh, Superdome. Uh, it used to be the Merce- – it is – the coldest press box in the history of press boxes. And the reason why is, and we're way, way, way up there. You'll be stunned how, how high up we are um, in the press box. But we also sit right underneath the air conditioning system in the stadium. So it just blows right on you. So if you've ever been in a hockey uh, arena, you know what cold arenas um, feel like. It's even worse because you've got cold air just blowing on you. So just a word of warning, um, just 
just warm, man. I was stunned. I didn't know. And, I, and the first time I had ever gone in was during a preseason game. So it's hot and muggy August, you know, New Orleans. I'm thinking, you know, light fair for for for, for real, uh, only to feel like I was in a uh, icebox uh, for three hours in New Orleans. So just uh, remember, we, we'll, we'll talk about it when we're there. You'll be, Unless they've changed it, which I doubt they have, you'll be like, dude. You weren't kidding when you talked about this being a cold press box. So just just a word of warning. I definitely appreciate that, Vinny. It will be my first time uh, at, at the Superdome. Uh, second time uh, in New Orleans. My brother lives down there. So looking forward to con- hopefully connecting with him a little bit. There you um, go. Around what we're down there to do. And that is to, to, to cover a massive game. Uh, the, the, it, this is a huge game. And it's a big – it's an equally big game uh, for the Saints too, Vinny, because their division, right, the NFC South, that's a total disaster. They're thinking they're right there in the mix, and they are. So it's a huge game for them. It's a huge game for the Raiders. Yeah, it's two teams that are, you know, have two wins, but it's two teams that also could have three, four, or five, right? Like that's the reality of the situation for both these teams. I feel like a lot of teams can say that this year. Raiders being one of them, Saints being one of them, and now they do battle in a crucial game for both teams as they look to kind of re-enter the playoff picture in their respective conferences. And the Raiders are 0-3 this year on the road. Uh, that is a mountain that they're going to have to figure out how to climb um, the next two games against the 2-5 and five New Orleans Saints and then a week later against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are also 2-5. and five. Uh, Those are two winnable games against two teams that, frankly, the Raiders are better than flat out. They're a better team um, talent wise than both of these teams that they're going to face. It'll be interesting to see if they can take care of business on the road where they haven't been able to do it yet this year and get back to uh, Las Vegas four and four. If they take care of business these next two weeks, uh, get back to Vegas four and four uh, heading against the um, uh, Indianapolis Colts, who they, they, they face in a couple of weeks. And we don't even know who the Colts quarterback is going to be at this point. We know that this week it's not going to be Matt Ryan. So uh, there's some quarterback flux going on in Indianapolis. We'll see if that continues by the time they hit Las Vegas. But if Sam, if the Raiders can get to four and four, um, you know, I think I think they can sort of take a deep breath at that point uh, and really be able to confidently look into the future, knowing that they're right there in the thick of things. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's certainly attainable, uh, right? New Orleans and the Jaguars, uh, Jaguars have had a lot of issues situationally as well. They look like a team. I thought that, that, could be in the mix in the AFC South, maybe still because that's a bizarre division, but they can't seem to close games either. So there are golden opportunities. If you're four and four, even despite the one and four start, you're right back in the mix, right back in the thick of things with with where everybody else is uh, in, in the AFC. And then it's kind of a, a sprint to the finish from, from that point. It'll be that'll be what week through week, week nine, uh, 18 weeks. It'll be the, kind of the halfway point, And then you gear up for the the, the finish and. Um, we'll have a lot clearer idea of where things stand playoff wise in a few weeks and, and where the Raiders fit into that. But there is an opportunity, believe it or not, despite how poorly they started the season, despite how poor they were um, in certain situations. Uh, you go out and handle business, uh, you're right back in the mix. And, and, and again, as we kind of belabored, it's never been a talent thing. The talent, um, this roster is more than good enough, uh, as we've seen throughout the course of the year, as we saw at Kansas City. Um, they, they can get right back in the mix. And, and, and I frankly expect them to do so. Uh, with with who they have coming up. Absolutely. Uh, lastly, before we get out of here, the Raiders did make a trade uh, today, um, right before we uh, basically uh, came on uh, to do the podcast. Jonathan Hankins, uh, the defensive tackle, nose tackle, goes to the Dallas Cowboys uh, for a, I believe it's a conditional draft pick, late draft pick. Um, a little bit of insight uh, onto that deal. Uh, the Raiders uh, are really pleased with the progress of rookie defensive tackles, Neil Farrell uh, and Matthew Butler. 
Um, so that sort of opened the door or gave them, created a little bit of a com- comfort zone uh, to go ahead and trade uh, Jonathan Hankins and potentially create some more time for a couple of kids uh, that the Raiders like the progress uh, of right now. So uh, expect to see a little bit more of those two players moving forward, although I would not rule out uh, the Raiders um, also making another move uh, at some point before the trade deadline, which is next Tuesday. Um, and I wouldn't doubt, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out uh, defensive uh, tackle or the interior of the defensive line or just defensive line in general uh, to be a point of emphasis. So keep an eye on that. It all has to kind of come together. I do think the Raiders, whatever move they make, um, will be something that they can do that not only helps them this year, but down the road. I don't think they're going to, you know, trade any assets for a rental or a guy that's going to come in here for, you know, half of a season and then you wave goodbye to. I think that they have a bigger picture in mind uh, for any of the trades that they may or may not make uh, moving forward. So uh, that's it for us this week. want to say thank you to all of our uh, listeners and supporters and you know, all that good stuff. We really appreciate it. Uh, hit the subscribe button uh, and, and listen to us each week. want to say thanks to Larry Muir, our great producer. Uh, thank you for everything that you do. Uh, and Sam Gordon, uh, appreciate you uh, as well. See you out uh, in Henderson this week and definitely see you in the Big Easy on the weekend. No doubt, Vinny. Can't wait. Appreciate everything. We'll talk soon. All right, brother. Take care. Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the SDN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started, no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. So sign up today for STN Sports and earn up to $500 on your first deposit.